brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by Midday Squares. Have you ever tried a Midday Square? They are the first functional chocolate bar and they're making waves. They're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and non-GMO. They have 6 grams of protein, 4 grams of fiber, and omega-3s. Most importantly, they kill hunger, fuel your brain, boost your mood, and all from natural energy. They're everything a chocolate bar isn't and everything a protein bar wishes it was. Use the code KELSEY15 at checkout to get 15% off today. Hey guys, we have another Australian on the show. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just into collecting Aussies now, but here we are. I'm super, uh, super, super stoked to have you on the show because you, my friend, have been introduced to me by some amazing human beings named Adam and Andrew Marr. And if you don't know the Warrior Angel Foundation, it was the four by four by 48 that we did this year that we talked about. So please go check them out. But welcome to the show, William. You, my friend, you're about to do something really, really cool. And I cannot wait to get into this with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When um, Adam sent out the email, I think I jumped on that within about a good hour. I was I was pretty quick. I won't lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have a story that is pretty spectacular and something that I love to highlight, which is the ability to overcome, you know, everybody has things in their lives, but the ability to overcome some serious uh, mental health issues that are brought on by military service. Um, so let's just get right into it. You served with the Australian military. Yes, ma'am. Did 12 years in the Australian Air Force, Royal Australian Air Force, and was medically discharged in 2017. Medically retired at 27. Mm, I know what that feels like, except I was 21. <laughs> so you and I weren't yeah. far off, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely relative um, across the board. We all we all have different services and, and the way that we operate within those services and our careers, uh, you know, as much as they are different, very similar when we transition from service life to civilian life and Absolutely. the lack the lack of support. Um, in them, you know, training us to go to war, but not training us to come home. You know, it's, it's across the board and it doesn't, it doesn't choose and pick individuals specifically. It's for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. So you were in the air force. What made you choose the air force over anything else? <laughs> um, so 
I am I am William Burnett the seventh, uh, and that was okay. a tradition in itself. And then I am the fourth generation serving in the military. Uh, my father was Air Force. My grandfather was Army Vietnam vet. My father is a Afghan vet. And um, for me, growing up, I I was always influenced by the way that my dad showed up as a military man. Um, childhood separate from that, the you know I was I was very you know inspired and influenced by the way that he showed up as a military man, and I saw the flexibility in um, him serving in the Air Force much rather than some of my buddies at school. Their dad's been in the army or or whatever. Um, whatever the lifestyle factors were for those kids and their dads being in the army. I was just always drawn to being in the air force. Um, and one thing that I was certain about is that I wanted to become a physical training instructor or PDI. Um, and so when I joined, I was 16 to nine months when I signed the dotted line and, and, uh, waited for my course to come up my recruit course. And when I took off, I was 17 and within the first year, two years of being in the air force, I wanted to be in the army and be a special operator, you know, being a young fella, um, full of testosterone, um, very competitive and, and very driven both from the influence of my father, my grandfather, and also just naturally being driven. Um, I wanted to change over pretty quick. And so I spent most of my career training for that. Uh, and so I ended up becoming a physical training instructor, which, uh, isn't in many militaries across the world, mostly to do with the Commonwealth. And essentially what they are is a strength and conditioning coach within the, the military framework. And they specialize in different areas of capability and operations. And so we can implement anything from rehabilitation programs to strength and conditioning programs to improve or increase efficiency within the capability itself. Um, and me specifically, I worked a lot with um, special operations and military working dog handlers. Okay. So how does somebody go from that position to being medically discharged? Great question. So in the 12 years that I served and sacrificed, I put my body through a lot. You know, I was, um, I never shied away from PT or battle PT or, or what have you. But more than that, like I said, when I first got in that first two years, I wanted to, to join special operations. I wanted to change across. And so, um, even before my application for that, submitting my application to uh, go on selection, my training resembled that. I would do upwards of 150K pack marches a week. I'd swim ridiculous amounts of distance and do um, apnea training, hypoxia training. I'd do crazy amounts of running and carrying weapons and simulation battle mock. And, you know, this was prior to even submitting my application for selection. Um, and then once submitting and going through that process of selection, uh, once again, putting my body through the ringer, essentially. Now, when I left at, uh, I went through the process at 26, 27, once I medically discharged, uh, I went through the VA system to be medically assessed, did upwards of 20 hours in MRIs, CTs, blood scans, bone scans. One specific day, I did 10 hours in an MRI machine after traveling six hours on a plane. That cannot that be good for your brain a... at all. <laughs> yeah, knowing what I know now, like when you leave the military, these types of things, you know, you're, you're institutionalized and conditioned to the, the military par paradigm. So knowing what I know now, um, I know the stresses that that put on my nervous system and, and also my body. 
Um, but that was quite a tough day, but long story cut short at the end of my VA assessments, um, you know, the, the diagnosis was Medicaid hospitalized and I had a long list of medical ailments from osteorheumatoid arthritis to PTSD, depression, um, tears in a lot of joints in, in my body, the muscles in, in most of the supporting joints in my body, uh, scoliosis, spondylosis, and, and a long list of other medical conditions. Um, and so I imagine these symptoms are a development of my time serving in the military and just being go, go, go hard at it, wanting to push my body as far as I could. Um, and so when I left, uh, although I didn't physically experience the discomfort of what these medical ailments would soon put in my life, um, I was very, I was very cautious about what both what the medical system were telling me, what I was being supported for with the VA or DVA here in Australia, which isn't much. Um, and then learning what that might mean for me. So when I left my final assessment to put my documents in with the VA and say, these are all my conditions, totally permanently impaired. Um, the doctors said to me that, you know, by age of 35, you're definitely not going to be able to run and it's potential that you won't be able to walk. You'll be in a wheelchair. Now, I had three kids at that time um, with one on the way. And so, you know, that's not an option. I, I know, you know, for yourself at 21, it's like, medically retired that's it's not an option to go down that road of what they're predicting for you, you know, right it's not it's not but a that's life. the thing though too i think i've realized uh, not to interrupt but over over a very short period of time the past couple of years once i started integrating psychedelics into my life i think one of the biggest things i learned was that you can choose what you believe and your mind really is in your control and I know several individuals, including somebody that was on a retreat prior to my retreat, who is legally blind, but yet could see pretty great after sitting uh -huh. with Aya, right? So it's about, uh -huh. you know, what they tell you is how much do you believe of it? I mean, I also am missing a collarbone and a permanently detached shoulder, but you know, hey, we do plenty of things with it because <laughs> you just, you're, you, you're, it's about what your brain tells you. And when you have people yeah. like the VA that are constantly just saying, well, you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're not going to be able to do this. I mean, if we all believed that none of us would be here anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and look, veterans leaving the military and I don't want to overgeneralize here, but from what, in my experience with working with veterans, uh, in the last three years specifically, you know, the most compliant person that you're going to get is that person leaving the military. They're so vulnerable in leaving an identity that they've just spent, you know, maybe half their, half their life, maybe the later half of their adult years or early adult years. So the most compliant person you're going to get is that vulnerable person. And, and so just like anywhere else in the matrix here, you know, everything is suggested and as compliant human beings, we take that on and accept that as part of our, our biology. And just like you said there, you get an opportunity to believe either what the external environment is influencing you or signaling you to believe or what you truly believe, you know, um, for me personally on that journey, uh, I wasn't willing to accept those conditions, nor was I willing to believe that they were going to impair my life the way that they were suggesting that it was. Yeah. Um, and, and so my exploration into, you know, breathwork, psychedelics, meditation, and mindset really allowed me to observe not just the programming and conditions that I just learned from 12 years of military. Like I grew up 
in the military. It was like my family, you know, and brothers and sisters everywhere. And so not only was I observing my patterns of behavior that were signaled and influenced by the military, but I was starting to learn about how I could heal my body in so many different ways. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was not open to taking pharmaceutical drugs. I was not open to sitting in a room talking with a stranger that I didn't know who's going to pretend like he knows the experiences that I went through. Right. So there, there had to be another way. After my first ayahuasca retreat was the, the very moment that both divine intervention for learning about breathwork and becoming a breathwork practitioner, and then also the power of plants uh, consciousness and the way that we experience ourselves in this 3d reality. And it was a, it was like this transcendental shift in everything that I thought I knew to not really knowing and learning about. And, and that's where the, the identity crisis started for me and transitioning across from that, that identity of military man to whatever it was going to be, you know? And so and it was quite a big journey. And then as a smart individual, you decided to marry another military member. So I hear. Because <laughs> you and an wanted American too. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to. Yeah. So were you going for the special forces package of DUI divorce and uh all the other things? Or was that just like by accident that that happened? <laughs> we'll call it divine intervention. Okay, cool. Whatever you want to call it, my friend. It's all right. I see you're still married happily. So you know what? You're one of the rare ones in terms of uh, who marries. And I get that question a lot. Was your husband in the military? No, that's why we're still married. Come on. Come on. We think these things through before we make these decisions. Come on now. So, and we, you have we four tiny humans, too, right? So. Oh, God. we have four four tiny humans we have another tiny human on the way as well Hallelujah. and she's yelling at me from the back of the caravan i heard uh, yeah. that yeah we have four tiny humans one on the way and uh cassie and i met uh on our last deployment to the middle east and she was serving the american air force mm -hmm. uh, in preventative medicine and so yeah look just like the narrative is you know military spouses i left a marriage of 11 years we were both in the military serving she still serves i do not um and then we met on this deployment and yeah still together happily married making more children and and you know creating a life of purpose and change together in, in quite a dramatically different way from what we were in the military Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, it doesn't shock me if you're friends with Adam and Andrew that you guys are going to have seven to 12 children. I mean, I mean, <laughs> nothing shocks me. I, they, they give me grief about only having one and being done. I think that is enough, but to hear that you have five is psychotic to me, especially because you, you're about to take on something that's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that you have a spouse that supports the hell out of that um, so I'm just going to ping pong around here. Cause that's a beautiful segue. Go me. Yeah. So you, yeah. my friend are about to step off and do, is it, <clears throat> let me just 81 days straight of ultra marathons across Australia, starting on September 7th. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Sure I mean, cause yeah. why, <laughs> I mean, I get why, but like, but why? <laughs> Why? And not, not only is my wife supportive, she's actually the VA. She's yeah. uh, like my digital VA. She's doing a lot of the 
the nav slash mapping for the routes. Um, she's moving pieces for the support team, people flying in from the States, picking them up. She's doing all the food, the logistics, like she's a beast, you know? And so I'm very, very lucky. And, and she's looking after the two children that we have whilst being pregnant at the same time. So, you know, if there's going to be any superhero on this journey, it's definitely her and not me, but, um, I would the argue reason that's I, correct. <laughs> yeah, the reason I am uh, able to do such things, um, you know, when I, when I left the military, like the story I just said, that's a common narrative for most veterans, you know, go through this, this process, be hospitalized, medicated, and then forever be suppressed in your life by all the shit that they're putting in the water, foods, media, all of that junk. Right. And so being able to heal my body, like any of those medical symptoms that I mentioned before, I do not have anymore, nor do I experience any, you know, um, discomfort from any of those previous symptoms. Uh, and that could be put down to me changing my diet to organic foods, non-inflammatory foods to clean, well-sourced water to, you know, well-sourced, uh, meat or animal produce to breath work, to meditation, to psychedelics. It could be an array of things. Or it could simply be said that I pulled myself out of the matrix and stopped, you know, listening to the bullshit that was being fed to me. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be a really good mix of all of that, right? Now, what I am passionate and determined to do, um, once again, divine intervention was able to meet the the incredible Ma brothers as well as Nima and the rest of the crew with Samuel um, and Matthew. So the, the the group of us here are. Uh, working towards creating a a different future, not just for veterans, but for the world, right? We're developing a framework here um, for people to understand the power of their bodies, how to heal it and how to source, you know, these other bits of lifestyle factors that are being kept from us or maybe not kept, but the information is being suppressed. So regenerative farming, permaculture, psychedelic medicine, therapy, different uh unconventional modalities of fitness and exercise um, and support in a way that, you know, society would like, but doesn't necessarily uh, encourage. And so for me personally, this journey to run across Australia is both a finger to, to the man and an opportunity to demonstrate an evidence-based practice that cannot be argued. Like this isn't anecdotal. Like when you're told that you're going to be in a wheelchair at 35 and then I'm going to be 34 on the 7th of September when I step off and be able to run 81 ultra marathons in a row. Now, yes, I haven't done that yet. I have between you and me, I've seen it. Uh, you know, this, that's a huge thing. And people are going to go, yeah, but how or why or bullshit or, you know, these types of things. But, the evidence is here. You you take a practice um, like the lifestyle that I've been living and you give it to an individual and they will see the exact same benefits slash results. They may not necessarily want to run, but maybe they come off their, their SSRIs or, or meds that they've been on for years, or maybe they get out of that toxic relationship slash relationships. Maybe they find the job or purpose in their life. You know, it may not be this run, but it may be their version of the run. That's my little mm -hmm. That's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, putting this, excuse me, making this big event, a big event is not about me. You know, this me running, I'm running for everybody that hasn't had this opportunity to experience these practices and modalities. 
I'm creating awareness and support for the, the veteran community holistically. And also, like I said, giving a finger to the man, you know, I can do this and I will do this, you know, for many years, I would have, I would assert that I would have listened and I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be in the relationship in it that I am in now. I wouldn't be the father that I am and I wouldn't be the athlete or, or practitioner that I am, nor would I have met the incredible men from free ranch, you know? So it's been a big change. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, it seems like you've taken all the tools that have been kind of provided to you and really ran with them. I think that's a beautiful example of what happens when somebody pulls themselves out of something and really utilizes the support network around them rather than mm -hmm. just the woe is me method, which is something mm -hmm. that we, so we have so much in our community and it's not because I'm um, speaking negatively towards it, but it is because most of the time people just haven't been taught a different way, haven't had access to that information. But now with things like podcasts, Instagram, social media, there's almost no excuse. There's plenty of people you can reach out to that will, that'll help you on your journey and help you become a better version of yourself and show you that it's possible. And it doesn't have to be done with things like pharmaceutical intervention and, and other modalities. It's really fascinating to hear you speak about uh, the use of psychedelics and, and all of those uh, breathwork practices, because implementing those, I do know personally, um, have had a huge impact on my life and in my healing. Um, another person I was actually just speaking to about you 15 minutes before this was um, Michael Brand. He is the CEO of HVMN. And so- uh, yes. Yeah, we had him on the show. His episode comes out next week. We had him on the show and we were talking about ketones. And I saw that in your bio and I, I screenshot it and I said, do you know this guy? And he goes, <laughs> he is, I will read you exactly what he said because it was so kind of him. He goes, hey, William is one of one. I'm glad that he connected. Wish him luck please on his kickoff. And I said, absolutely. I won't be sure to do that, but it's amazing to see that. Oh, he's amazing, dude. And he's so humble. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. Dude. But that's what I love seeing though. There is individuals that you've connected yourself with that really do want to help you not only you know, achieve success in this, but in your life. And that is possible for every other veteran or civilian that wants to be better. They just have to want it enough to seek it out and seek it out in a yeah. way that isn't necessarily through Google. Right. And I think that's mm -hmm. the key. I think that's what um, you, in my opinion, are a beautiful example of is the ability to heal from a lot of the things that you've, you've dealt with in your life by just using really natural, normal, easy ways to heal that just aren't yeah. accessible to everyone, <laughs> which is, uh, that's a whole other, that's a, blah, that's a whole I other mean, conversation. They're, they're accessible in the way that, you know, they're there to use right now and, and people right. can change, but they're the education or even the facilitation of these practices uh, is not well established because of the stage of evolution that we're in psychologically, right? Mm -hmm. You take, you take a veteran, for instance, let's say you take a veteran that's done five, six years, maybe, but done a couple tours, maybe they work in a high stress environment and you take them out of that environment and you put them back in the quote unquote real world as a civilian. Now in that process, not only are we 
rearranging the elements that signal that human being to be an identity because most humans live from an identical an identity place like they that's how they know themselves in society and maybe it's a hierarchical fashion maybe it's just where they fit in society it's i am this label that's who i am and it might be mom dad brother sister whatever it might be podcaster athlete so you take them out of that environment and all the factors that influence that identity are now stripped away you also take them out of the environment that was once their operating day-to-day -day life right you're taking them out of uh routine you're taking them out of certainty um comfort you're taking them out of you know uh, all of those things and more the individual now is now put in an environment without the tools without the certainty without the comfort and so all their nervous system knows is what the fuck they're in this dorsal vagal state where they are severely upregulated beyond that fight or flight state and any human being that is in that state is less likely to make a rational rational decision as opposed to being in that ventral vagal state where they are you know low and slow nervous system is way down parasympathetic and so you've got this highly upregulated individual who is struggling with an identity or shift of identity struggling with the certainty of their lifestyle knowing that they do or don't have the tools to be able to move forward on the next step and then wondering whether or not life's going to be the same because of the removal of all these other factors and not only are they doing that they are not providing support in the way that we need it the way they are doing that is putting us into the system maybe it is through the the va maybe it's through the medical system. And when you go into this medical system or the VA, which we're told is supposed to support us, we put all our trust into a, into an infrastructure that is slowly killing our body. And the reason I say that is because any pharmaceutical products that are passed down the line, whether it be for mental health, physical ailments, they're all repurposed medications. They were once put on the line to solve one problem. And then that one medicine slash drug has now been repurposed across the board, maybe 10 to 15, 20 times. Right. And they're, they're prescribing these to most people who are suffering from any mental health condition. Now these pharmaceutical products, these, you know, these so-called medications that are supposed to help, help us with our symptoms, whether it be PTSD, TBI, depression, mood disorders, bipolar, any of these things supposed to be helping us or balancing our brain chemicals and hormones. Mm -hmm are actually shutting down neurological pathways, meaning that the brain is going to stop firing and wiring on the pathways that we were once operating from. Not only is it doing that, it's numbing the sensation of all the emotions and shit that we've compressed from our time in the military, because that environment does not suggest that you share your emotions, nor should you express them, but it's shutting down those pathways as well. And so we turn into this confused zombie-like creature because of all these external things that are happening to us and it's no wonder that we see the rise of you know suicide or homelessness in the veteran community um, because of this now this is where these practices are definitely accessible but the education is not is because for me is a actually i'll take my whole team you know all of us my brother samuel and all of us the way that we practice psychedelic medicine or these psychedelic therapies would be considered woo-woo 
I only have to mm-hmm. talk to someone close here in Australia about this and they go, whoa, that's a little edgy. You know, that's yeah, know. the government. <laughs> the government's not going to allow that. Fuck the government. Like yeah. we are here to create a change and, and provide holistic, sustainable solutions for people so that the longevity of their life is increased, not decreased. We don't want compliant individuals that are numbed, suppressing and compressing all the things that they've experienced, told that they are not supposed to feel these things and be in the life that they hate. We don't want that. We want people to experience life free, sovereign, and as healthy and vital as they possibly can. And so providing this education is imperative to the change of where we are directing people talk about the change is coming or the new world is coming i think people are expecting like a bus to rock up and be like hop on the change bus let's go the actual change is us right the change right. is you and i having this conversation and then it getting aired to thousands of people and thousands of people going oh fuck maybe they're onto something or maybe it's you know having a retreat space where different individuals come and have a life-changing moment, whether it be from a hug, a psychedelic therapy, breath work, ice bath, it might be a whole variation of those things. That is the change. And so this, this education and, and this facilitation of these practices is getting much more accessible should people want to make that change, like you said, you know, but it's, it's not about convincing them that this is the life that they want. It's about showing them in the way that we show up, you know, yes, we're mm-hmm. veterans. Yes. We were once in the military. Yes. We're heavily tattooed and we wear fucking sexy ass clothing, but we're here and we're going to hug you. We're going to see you. We're going to hold you. And, <laughs> and we're still going to provide uh, yeah. information and practices for people to take that step forward and get into the life that they want. Right? I, so I think, stick- yeah, I think the difference now is, uh, you have a generation of veterans that is no longer willing to kind of stand by and allow veterans affairs and those types of people to kind of tell us like, you know, you need to be doing this or this, this is how it works. I mean, you have, uh, I mean, you have firsthand experience, you have a Vietnam vet uh, in your family. So, you know, you see the, you see the trajectory change with veterans affairs and the way that they want to heal. If you're just listening, please just go watch this. You guys know how I do my hand gestures and heal (laughs) by, you know, by doing this or doing that or sitting at the Legion and drinking your face off, but never talking about your emotions or these types of things. And for us, at least in Canada, uh, this came out yesterday, um, veterans affairs got caught actually, uh, offering assisted suicide to a veteran who called for TBI treatment. It broke on the news yesterday with Mercedes Stevenson on global news and the national, and it was sent to me who then I promptly sent to the media. So the point is, (laughs) The problem that we see now is people like Veterans Affairs, whether it's Australia, America, the UK, it's easier to deal with us a certain way because we're waking ourselves up and we're starting Mm -hmm. to look at the treatments that they're providing us and saying, these aren't working. Not only are they not working, they're making us worse. They're making us so much Mm -hmm. worse that the suicide epidemic is skyrocketing. It is truly a pandemic of our culture and of our society. But yet for some reason, we still have civilian population kind of, you know, putting it off to the side. And the first time ever you're seeing humanity 
experience a little more of what veterans have experienced, which is that, mm -hmm. that shock to the system due to COVID and the way that people were locked down. I know you in Australia were just as bad as Canada. I believe for what I know, you guys have eased up. We currently have not. We are implementing other uh, restrictions and other regulations, including the um, digital ID, which is dangerously close to the social credit system starting in October of this year in Canada. Uh, that includes passports, driver's license, and all other lovely things. So us in Canada, you know, we, we have kind of doubled down on the restrictions and Australia, you guys seem like you have eased up. So the, the struggle for me is when you see individuals who are trying really desperately to help the community or just show them a different way of healing. Those are the ones being censored and they're being censored because it's mm -hmm. working and it's working on a, like a mass scale. And when people start to wake up, people who you've trained, people who you've trained with guns to do things, it makes mm. other people nervous. Hey, you, have you checked in with yourself today? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Have you had enough water? This is your midday check-in brought to you by Midday Squares. Big breath in. <sighs> I'm back at it. And I mean, they have every right to be nervous because it's going to yeah. take society or a part of society like us to be the ones to wake others up. And it doesn't have to be through a violent way. But when you have the guys that are six foot tall with all the tattoos that can use weapons really well, but also use psychedelics and breath work and yoga and meditation. That's a dangerous level of calm that they really don't appreciate around. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I can second that. I definitely mm -hmm. feel safe at that ranch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That ranch is where I feel the best. Uh, speaking of the ranch, are you going to come next year to the, uh, the Goggins Challenge they do in March? So... Yes, and the news here is that Cassandra and I will be moving to uh, the ranch in January next year because for me to be able to, to participate and be directly, you know, impactful in the work that I'm doing as an integration specialist with the team, um, we need to be in location, right? right? And be able to have everybody there. Um, sounds like my son's getting a bit of discipline. <laughs> it happens it's okay i have a six-year-old i have one though <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean they're having one's pretty much the same because they all you know respond anyway i'm getting off topic. Yeah. but um yes no, it's um Cass and i are moving there in january um and we'll be living at the ranch we're going to uh take part as much as we can in this you know this step forward in the prototype of what we're building here um it was evident after I did the heart, my, uh, heart, my protocol that, you know, this is where I need to be. You know, mm -hmm. when I come out of my protocol, everything that I had said, both in my transcript and in debrief after with the men, after I was on the Rasha, like it, you know, they're all nodding their heads. I'm like, is this making sense? And they're like, oh no, we, we already know all this. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And so you know, when you have this purpose or you have this thing, this information and access to your records, your soul contracts, and you've experienced it in the person, like as much as you possibly can, you can't unknow it. And so when I sat down with my wife, it's, 
it's been challenging to make this transition or plan this transition because I have two children to a previous marriage here in Australia. And mm. so I'll be leaving that, you know, behind intermittently where I'll be traveling backwards and forwards to, to be as active as I can. But in saying that, you know, what I've discussed both with my wife and other people is there's a bigger picture here, right? Like we we're just discussing the, these types of people, these veterans who are trained to do these things, but also trained to do these other things. If we don't make these changes now, then our children are going to be forever be fighting the same battles we did, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. Andrew and I have joked about having so many kids because we're going to do the work now and then we can just have heaps of children that can carry it on when we're, when we're gone or old, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So for me, the bigger picture is if we don't make the change now, then our children are going to forever be fighting this battle and, and nothing's ever going to change. And so you know, some of the sacrifices we're going to be making in order to achieve these, these things are astronomical. And at the same time, it's just as beneficial for us to make these sacrifices so that we can make these changes. And so, yes, I will be at the Goggins, the Goggins run, uh, definitely four by four. Um, and also be working on starting the, the second part of the project of the run, which I'm doing so here in Australia, so I call it the first hundred meters. It's called Project Light. And so I'll be running from uh, Margaret River, Western Australia to Byron Bay, New South Wales, right across the country. It is 4,500 kilometers. And I am working with an organization here in Australia called Survive to Thrive Nation. And the organization itself has the world's only um, clinically trial, successfully clinical trial uh, self-development program for veterans transitioning from service life to civilian life. It's an eight week course where veterans are sponsored onto the program. So any money uh, that is raised during this campaign run with will, which is the campaign that I'm doing. If any money that is raised during this campaign goes directly to sponsoring a veteran onto the program. So it's a profit for purpose organization, meaning that, you know, whatever, whatever uh, revenue is made in this, in this circumstance or for any campaign, a veteran goes directly onto the program and taken out of the system because like Canada, uh, the other day, it sounds like it was the exact same day. Um, Australia has been, well, the Australian defense force and DVA. So defense, yeah. Department of veteran affairs has been in what's called a uh, Royal commission for upwards of a decade now, right? They've been investigated for, um, high volume backlogs of veterans not being supported and having cases not even put into the system. They're being um, investigated for not providing enough support for veterans that are already in the system, investigated for a lot of things. The other day, and it sounds like the same day, uh, it was announced that any vendors that were uh, being contracted from DVA to support veterans directly have just had all their contracts stripped away. And so each contract or vendor that is operating from that place is now solo and has to work out, you know, what they're going to do from here on out, which is both horrible and amazing for organizations who are willing to go that extra distance. Now, Survive mm -hmm. to Thrive Nation, I know the CEO personally, uh, Dane, and he's a phenomenal man. He's a veteran himself, combat veteran. He said, he rang me that day and he said, mate, horrible news. This has occurred but this is fucking amazing because now mm -hmm. we can just take the training wheels off and go all in and just really show the world what we have here, which is a sustainable solution to prevent veteran suicide. You know, what's crazy about that is 
anytime we've, you know, blasted this campaign out, there's a lot of support. So, you know, HVMM being one, helping me do what I can so that I can do this other work. It's aligned. It's directly aligned. And there's many other companies that have helped me with that. Flexbeam, there's many others. But every time we've blasted it out, people are like, whoa, this is amazing. And then that's it. And it's like, no, we need to make a change. Like we're providing mm -hmm. solutions here that we can really pedal across the line as fast as we can, as long as we're collectively trying to make this change. But we're still struggling to fight that level of psychology with general population of being like, oh, they actually have a solution. They actually have a solution, which is clinically yeah. tested and trialed, you know, and that's, that's quite challenging right now. Yeah, it is. And you're seeing it so much in the psychedelic space when it comes to healing vets and, and a different way of looking at things, because it does feel like uh, the pharmaceutical companies are doing everything they possibly can to stop any sort of, you know, peer reviewed research to come out because they, they really do not want that because we really uh -huh. are a um, vending machine. We're, we're great for yeah. finances for those companies when it comes to the amount of turnover that a veteran has, like the amount of medication an individual veteran is on at any given time. I know for me, at the height of it for me, it was 10, 10 a month. And that was mm -hmm. the from 2009 till 2015. And then I started integrating cannabis in. And once I started integrating mm -hmm. cannabis into my life, then there was a slow drop off of the needs for pharmaceutical intervention. And as of two years ago, that's when all pharmaceutical intervention stopped completely. And that's when I fully stepped Amazing. into, yeah, it was a great, it was, you know, don't get me wrong. Getting off of it was uh, not fun for everyone to be around. That was uh, tough. Me. Yeah. Yeah. But right after <laughs> that, about three weeks later, I did my first ayahuasca experience um, with Heroic Hearts Project. So because of them, I've been able to have a, an ongoing support with them and sit in multiple ceremonies and then integrate psilocybin into my daily use for microdosing and cannabis uh, in between. So those have worked really well. Uh, recently this year, I was diagnosed with a TBI that had gone undiagnosed for 11 years and kind of couldn't mm -hmm. figure out, you know, why things weren't progressing in terms of healing, even though I was doing all of the right things. And that's mm -hmm. something you see a lot of veterans kind of go through is the misdiagnosis or the just, you know, wrong diagnosis and yeah. not being treated properly for it. In the interim, you have this longevity of just shit where you think you're doing the right things, but it's just not working out. Um, mm -hmm. Learning a lot about TBIs and, you know, the recent, you know, um, in the recent months, especially my husband went through one as well, being a professional athlete um, and him and I both really starting to understand the inflammatory markers and the issues that go along with uh, head hits and how food and all of this, I mean, I was an athlete. He was an athlete. We we're all very healthy, but still when you're not understanding things like eating for blood types or changing the way, you know, your circadian rhythm works and how to really help your life get better. It doesn't, it can only change so much until you're really mm -hmm. willing to make those massive changes. And I know Adam and Andrew have said, you know, Hey, Kelsey, you should, uh, you should just move down to Texas. You should just, you should just come to Texas now. We have one more, <laughs> yeah, we have one more um, kind of a line that needs to be crossed before we leave Canada. 
for mm-hmm. me personally, you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset of, you know, I fought for the country once I'm really willing to do it again. Uh, even mm-hmm. though we have things like bill, I don't know if you've heard about it. Canada has this lovely bill called bill C 11 that came in, in February of this year, which blanket covers the internet and the media. And it allows the government to censor the internet, the media, things like YouTube and Instagram and all of that. And it stops uh, information being pushed out of Canada. Now, there's only two other countries in the world that do this. One is North Korea and one is China. So Canada is now on that awesome list. Um, (laughs) We get emails from YouTube regularly now saying that we're being deplatformed. So that's a great conversation. Um, So so eventually the move will probably have to happen. But the line really for us is when they and they started toying with it was, if you want your child to go to school, they need to have the COVID vaccine. Now, Mm. that's a hard pressed fuck off no for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it should be for everyone, but that Mm -hmm. is for individuals to choose. I'm not the person who's going to judge, but I just also prefer my son to be healthy, happy, not have a stroke at 13 and, or be infertile, but who am I? Right. So yeah, yeah. So no, but it's, it's pretty straightforward. Like that, that in itself is the the current narrative because people are so scared because of how suppressed they've been. And, you know, right. you know, the government relies on the things that it's been doing, fluoride in the water, sugar and infl- inflammatory foods, you know, the medical system, the media, they rely on that to keep pe- putting people into fear so that people make these decisions. Oh shit. I got to go take my kid to get vaccinated because he's going to die if he doesn't. Well, that's, you know, the only, the only reason you're thinking that way is because of the high levels of inflammation in your body that is stopping actual, you know, rational decisions and messages from the brain. Right. Right. And, yeah. you know, Dr. Mark Gordon talks about this on the, the episode with Joe and, and when mm-hmm. I think it was the last episode, actually, when Joe and uh, Angel and Mark were on there and he talks about the level of inflammation that are, is in the body, specifically in, in TBIs, right? Now, what we know about that as well is that when the inflammation is present in the body, it's present for a reason, right? There's a root cause there and and we could trace it back and identify what that is, but knowing may not be enough. You know, knowing why your TBI might be present, Kelsey, may not be enough because already you said 10 years, it's gone undiagnosed 10 years. Did you say that? Yeah, that's why I think I can remember the last serious head hit also just being an artillery gunner standing beside those. Now we understand the concussive blast. Also, I was a professional fighter, so I've been kicked in the face more times than I would like to admit. It's so fine. you've got 10, you got over a decade now of yeah. your body creating what's called a compensatory behavior, mm-hmm. meaning that if one part of the body isn't working, then some other part of the body has to pick up the load and start operating at a higher vibration or frequency. This over time creates behavior, turns into a habit and then so on and so forth becomes our standard operating procedures for the body. Now, breaking those, those compensatory behaviors is quite difficult because the brain has refired and wired to accept this condition to the, to the point where we may have originally started experiencing pain, but now don't because we're so used to it and so conditioned to the pain being signaled that we've just shut that down as well. Mm-hmm. And so knowing may not be enough. And this is why, this is where inflammation thrives in the body. You know, Dr. Mark Gordon talks about the cytokine storms within the body. This is where it thrives. If that is present, we cannot break down some of these things that are actively participating in the body. Meaning that even if we are doing, you know, cold exposure, breath work, psychedelic medicine, you know, red light therapy, 
blocking glasses, non-inflammatory foods. This is all well and good. And it may not be enough because of the behaviors that are being created in the body. And so we need to go back into the system, into the nervous system, either up or down regulated enough so that we can access different parts of our biology to start firing and wiring those new pathways or recreate the pathways that were once there. Once we do this, we then implement obviously material habits slash techniques where you can start developing this practice and start teaching or reteaching the body what it needs to do again. Once we do this, the brain will start to cooperate, starts to signal and release enough chemicals to bring that vibration back up. And then, you know, maybe six months down the road, it may be shorter for some, maybe longer for some, um, that pattern will come back and we will remove that compensatory behavior and start to develop the new behavior. The only way we can access this is through consciousness, whether it be through psychedelics, whether it be through breath work or meditation, whether it be actually putting somebody in a simulation of high stress to signal the nervous system. The only way we can access this is through consciousness, but the, the participant needs to participate. It can't just mm -hmm. be secondary. It can't be a facilitator putting it there. The participant needs to participate and we need to get that person in that vibration or that level of consciousness so that they can access that part of the body slash brain. And then we can recreate new patterns of behavior. One of the greatest things I got the, uh, I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to go do um, the organization named Defenders of Freedom. They work with the TBI clinic in Texas. Right after I did the Warrior Angel uh, Foundation run, I drove that night, that Sunday night down to um, Capel, Texas, and they're called the Resiliency uh, Brain Center. And it's with mm -hmm. Doc G and Doc Michelle Eiselman. And we did two weeks of an intensive program, literally doing a lot of those things, things like RTMS, things that are slowing down the nervous system. They, I call them the death sticks working on saccades and pursuits and things <laughs> with the eyes and, you know, yeah. the spinny chair and the electricity and the water and like the, the clapping of the things. I got the videos. It's the whole thing. So we did a ton of that. And what I found to be incredibly useful was finding out a lot of things about my blood work, finding out, mm -hmm. you know, where markers were really at you utilizing things like inside tracker where, you know, a great starting point for a lot of people really just seeing where their body is internally taking those results. And then them putting me through a, a gamut of tests and going, yeah, the reason you have dysautonomia is because of this. The reason your eyes mm. are shaking all the time is, you know, it's real. That's not just in your mind. Your eyes are actually shaking. And so yeah. there's tons of different tools to help the body. And what was really fascinating for me, and it is not something that they told me to do. So I'm just gonna be very clear, but it is something that I did on my own afterwards was really utilizing psilocybin and ayahuasca as a tool after having all of these amazing things, turn the frontal prefrontal cortex on. So using mm -hmm. RTMS and having that start to fire, I could legitimately feel part of my brain that was dead inside start to kick off again. And when, then once yes. you hit it with psychedelics, you could feel these pathways move and change and the development, the way you thought, the way you walked, the way you just exuded energy, everything changed. And I believe that if you couple things like the resiliency brain center with things like psychedelics and these other amazing treatments and consciousness, you are going to look at a different human being because when you're dealing with PTSD, major depressive disorder, bipolar, any of those things, TBIs, 
I truly believe, and, and I, I believe it is the same sentiment with Defenders of Freedom. For so long, we have put the cart before the horse here. We've mm -hmm. gone ahead and said, no, this is how we're going to deal with it. And then left all of these issues to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. When really, if we just done these from the first, then we wouldn't have these afterwards. So mm -hmm. I've, I, we've done the gamut of the products. I've worked with Dr. Mark Gordon, my husband and I both have worked with him and utilized his products um, as well and had them be incredibly uh, successful for us. We utilized him. The first time we saw him on Rogan, we ordered them right away. There was no- Straight away. Yeah, yep. straight away. There was no blood work. There's no question. We're like, we just need to try this because anything. And it was a game changer. And then fortunately from a the uh, the founder and CEO of um, Heroic Hearts Project, Jesse Gould, who's a former army ranger, he connected mm -hmm. me with Andrew and Adam. And then they gave me a call last year in December. And then I went down last year in March and I've been like huge like fans and in love with their family ever since. And so I know what they're doing down there. I'm very aware of the protocol. I'm very aware of everything. And I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I personally have not sat for that protocol yet. Um, mm -hmm. Being very careful with the TBI and certain things right now, just to kind of keep anything that burns a little hot in the brain away from the body while we're dealing with some of the severe symptoms that we have mm -hmm. going on with my husband and I. But I do know that has been offered to me, and I am looking forward to taking them up on that at some point here soon. I'm a little fearful I will blow my life up and move my whole family immediately, but because <laughs> you it's know that'll you, but... happen. Oh, I'm a living proof. Exactly. <laughs> have you connected with Dr. Sam yet? Uh, I haven't. I've met Angel. I've met, um, what is the gentleman who did? Okay. I can't remember his name. Maybe that's Sam. He did. Nima? He, yeah, Nima. Okay. You've the, met Nima? Yes. So the breath work, I watched one individual do the four by four by 48 he ran every leg of that. And by ran, I mean sprint. And he was doing a breathwork technique through every single leg oh, that of that. Been Sam. That, that was, been yeah, Sam. Sam. It was yeah. insanity to watch. Was he wearing the basketball singlet? Yeah, oh yeah, of course he was. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Dr. Sam. Yeah. We haven't got, uh, him and I didn't get time to connect. Um, we didn't actually have much time, him and I. I was, I was podcasting a lot of people there, but I know that he is on the list of individuals to have a deep conversation with. I keep being told that I missed out on that. So I'm really looking forward to March already to get to go and actually sit with them a little more, but yes, I've met. I him. definitely talked to him um, prior to the protocol uh, for when you choose it, uh, when it chooses mm -hmm. you, um, but definitely talk to him about that with your, your conditions and your TBI. Mm -hmm. Um, so Dr. Sam obviously is the, the founder of the protocol itself. Um, he's developed that through his studies and practices with other psychedelic therapy places, um, or organizations. And so he is, you know, all of them are switched on and tuned in 100%. And Samuel, it's potential that he's that next level. So I would I could strongly see that. suggest connecting. I could see yeah. that. I watched him um, do a breathwork exercise by himself and it was like magic. It, I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Um, it's kind of what you hear about when you see somebody move into this, like this step up above everyone. And you're like, how could someone do that consciousness wise? And then you watch it happen in front of your eyes and you're like, he's not here right now. That's just his No, body. no. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and he is very skilled at being able to transition 
in and out of his body into different states of consciousness, just like that, you know? And, uh, I remember during my protocol specifically, um, I remember calling him, I was about, I would, I would have said maybe hour two, three. So I was completely in the protocol, completely disassociated from my physical body, but a message come through to do some physical work on my physical body. And I knew straight away it had to be Dr. Sam. And I called him, brother, brother Samuel need you to do some body work. And I, um, Adam had taken some photos and some videos. And when I looked back, I remember breathing with him and feeling the flow of energy between us. But looking back, he was like maybe wrist deep in my diaphragm and my rib cage. And he was just like getting after it. And I don't remember experiencing any pain at all. And whatever he shifted, shifted big time. And, you know, that was, that was quite transformational for me. He's a powerful dude. Yeah, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, my last, I was just in Peru two weeks ago and I had a mm -hmm. situation like that. And one of the Misra, she's incredibly physical and uh, she did something to my body. And it, I, I mean, I haven't talked about that trip yet, but I'm still trying to, you know, work on the integration of that. But she did something that was, Un unreal i've never i've never felt uh, an energy shift like that um before so it's it's it is very special when it does happen and it is beautiful to have others witness it because it is almost so mystical or fantastical that if someone isn't witnessing it you sound like a lunatic when you're talking mm -hmm. about it <laughs> yeah sound pretty out but touch touch is phenomenal it's a it's a phenomenal technique in medicine to be able to you know intimately be in somebody's energetic field and move and shift energy that may be blocked by simply pressing palpating in different locations and, and moving that and shifting that into different tissue maybe different areas of the body if we have stuck energy in and under the ribs and we we get in and under that and you know spread intercostals give some some love and energy to that and spread that so that it can then be processed through the correct meridian. Now we've got an energy that was blocked for so long and dormant for so long, but now in the correct meridian is able to be processed through the heart. And so a simple shift like that, being able to bodywork somebody can really, really create some, you know, some space for, for most individuals. It's a game changer. And it's interesting, like I said, mm -hmm. to see what you've kind of moved into after being in the military. It's such a, it's such a drastic shift. It, it's a beautiful shift. It's, it's one that I would argue would say you don't really regret the military because it brought you through to who you are now. Safe to say. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. 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 See, that's the story I love to hear. I love to hear individuals who are not like, Oh, it was, it was hell. And I regret every minute of it. it you know, I think we all have there's lessons in all of these, this hurt, the, the things that we go through, and it really does bring you to, to who you're meant to be. And I mean, mm -hmm. I guess you're meant to be the guy who breaks 10 Guinness world records. <laughs> you know what? I'm proud of who I was then. And I'm proud of who I am right now as well. And, you know, being on this path, albeit difficult at times, I, I don't imagine I'd experienced the growth and expansion I have as an individual, you know, physically, mentally, and spiritually, had I not go through the burner, you know, had I not been and put my feet to the fire, literally, I burnt my foot last year, another healing story that we can talk about later at another time. But, you know, had I not put my feet to the fire and really push myself, you know, I don't, I don't imagine life to be anywhere near what it is now. And so I got a lot of gratitude and, and appreciation for my service um, 
I've, I've got so much love and compassion for the people that I may not have had love and compassion for back in my service, you know, that inflicted some parts of my psychology that has been tough to get through. And I still have a lot of love and compassion for those people. And you know, if I get, not if, when I get to the 81st ultra marathon and if they're standing there on the finish line and want to talk or want to converse or want to say sorry or whatever it may be, I'll be open arms and I'll be like, Hey, bring it in. We got this. We move forward together. Leave all that shit behind. Let's move forward together. It's nice to hear that the ego is no longer uh, the front man for you. Not that I knew you then, but my God, is there ever a massive amount in our community where they still ride Mm. that ego? And it's nice to see it breaking down slowly and people waking up from that moment of just, you know, just gross behavior. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that for you, um, for your own healing, but also for them too, right? Because you're giving them the example. And sometimes that's all that is needed. Like you said, you don't have to go run ultra marathons to, to change your life, but somebody does. And that person will be the example. And most of the time, that's all we need is just somebody that's willing to do that type of work. So thank you, um, on behalf of the veteran community for your willingness to put your body on the line. Once, again, to not only bring awareness, but to help change people's way of thinking so that they can hopefully feel as good and as healthy and as, you know, fulfilled as you do with your family and your life. Mm -hmm. We're all born for this. You know, this is our birthright to live in sovereignty and freedom and, and be healthy and vital and loving and compassionate. This is our birthright. And to have that be told that it's not is complete travesty. It's, it's not, it's not okay. And so to bring that back, we can't bring that back with any volatility. We can't bring that back with any angst or anything. It needs to be complete love, complete openness. And like you said, leading from the front. And, and we are doing that. We're leading from the front. And not only are we leading from the front, we're going back to pick others up as well. Leave no one beyond. No one's ever left behind. So just to reiterate, September 7th, you're going to run 81 days. You're going to run an ultra marathon every day. You're going to break 10 new Guinness world records. And you're going to come on the show as soon as you're done to tell me the hell that you went through and everything that I get to learn about what that's like, because I'm not doing that. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I'll do that. (laughs) Fantastic. Can you make sure to tell everybody where they can find you, support you and the run with Will so that they can go support Survive to Thrive organization? Yeah, definitely. So you can find me on Instagram. It's my most active point uh, at themind.mechanic and all the information there in the link. But essentially, when you go to the link, you can go to the webpage for a Run With Will campaign or it's www.runwithwill.com. And there's a few ways you can do that. Jump on there, sign up, and then you can select a challenge. And the challenge is either you select a run virtually, so you can run from anywhere, meaning when I take off on the 7th, Kelsey, if you want to run on the seventh in Canada, you can do that too. And you select a distance that's challenging enough for you. uh, And you can submit that through the webpage. Once you've selected the challenge, you can then select whether you want to support and contribute to sponsorship. And that would be, you know, uh, a financial commitment. And so everyone knows a hundred percent of what you uh, contribute to sponsorship goes directly to putting a veteran on the program. Um, every thousand dollars that we raise, we will have one veteran join the program and go through the program. Uh, the reason we're doing this is because like I said before, uh, DVA department of veteran affairs has really, you know, uh, let us down and without 
you know, letting that backlog grow any further, we're going to try to chew away at that backlog and help as many veterans as we can get their life back and prevent any more suicide. So www.runwithwill.com. And uh, if anybody's going to get in there and go for a challenge and get on there, um, make sure you tag it on, on Instagram, tag us and uh, share it around with everybody. Well, I am doing the Grand Fondo on a road bike on September 10th. So maybe I'll submit that. Is that something that Perfect. for you? Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. That works. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, now I'm committed. God damn it. I am doing yes. that one for the boot campaign, but I will submit it and I will support it. And every other listener, I know you will go do the same. All right. Well, you stick with me. Everyone else, we'll see you all next week. 